So this morning, as we continue our sermon series called The Road to Easter, this is part number two, is that correct? And so open your ears and hearts as we uh, look at the Word of God today. The scripture says, which is, it was already read this morning, uh, I just went to read it again, uh, jo- uh, John chapter number 12. John chapter 12, listen to the words of the Apostle as he records the Palm Sunday uh, event. The next day, a great multitude, somebody shout, a great multitude, had come to the feast, and they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees, went out to meet him, and cried, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, set upon it, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered these things that were written about him, that they, that had been done, that had done these things to him. Therefore, the people who were with him, when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead, bore witness. For this reason, the people also met him, because they heard that he had done this sign. The Pharisees, therefore, said among themselves, You see that you are accompanying nothing? Look, the world has gone after him. Amen. Part two of the sermon series, The Road to Easter. Lord, add your blessing to the preaching of the word and your servant, and the church said, according to the church calendar, today is known as Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is the beginning of Holy Week. Christians throughout the entire world is commemorating today, and they're also commemorating the events that will surround this week. The apex of Christianity is found on Easter Sunday, which is what we refer to as Resurrection Sunday. 2.3 billion believers this week will make a difference in the world. If you turn on MSNBC, CNN, or Fox News, the Christian story will be told this week. How do I know? Because we are the world's largest religion And this week, the world will hear about a man by the name of Jesus who suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, was buried, and on the third day was resurrected. Every Easter Sunday morning as I'm getting dressed, I always turn the news on. In the last 20 years that I've done that pastoring, I always turn the news up as loud as I can get it because I love when they declare every Easter Sunday morning that Christians around the world are commemorating a Nazarene who died, was buried, and was resurrected. I always have a big smile on my face because they don't even know what they're doing. They're preaching the gospel. They're telling the world that Christians are now celebrating this Jewish man. And today I want to continue my sermon series on the road to Easter. The road to Easter. 
Do you know, my friends, that the road to Easter is paved with tears? It's paved with betrayal. It's paved with suffering, fear, and death. But also Easter, the road to Easter is also paved with palm branches and celebrations and singing, hope, and forgiveness. And this morning, as we begin to reflect on the last hours of Jesus' life, and especially this last week of his life, let us look at the story of the triumphal entry, which is what we call Palm Sunday. I want to ask you a question this morning. Why is Palm Sunday so very important? What is the significance of Palm Sunday? Why is there so much celebration around this man called Jesus? Why do we need to read this story instead of other stories? Have you ever thought about it? Why is this story so important? Well, listen, my friends, this story is so important because if you are reading the New Testament, you will quickly discover that the Palm Sunday story is recorded in all of the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's recorded in all of the Gospels. And I believe that if it's recorded in all four Gospels, I think that we need to pay attention to the story this morning and see the relevance of the story to our lives. Now let me recap the story for you for just a moment. Let me just rehearse the story and let me tell you the backdrop of what's really going on in this story. The Bible says in John chapter 11, John chapter 11, that Lazarus was dead. Lazarus was sick. And, and his sisters called for Jesus to come and heal him. But you know the story. Lazarus died and he was buried in a tomb for four days. And the Bible says that Jesus purposely was late. He comes to the tomb, and what happens? He performed one of the greatest miracles of his ministry. He raised a dead man back to life. He raised Lazarus, who was dead for four days. He raised him back to life. And folks, that is why lots of people were waving palm branches. They were waving palm branches because some of them had seen the miracle of Lazarus. They had seen this Jewish man raise up a dead man from the grave. And they've come out to wave their palm branches, hoping that maybe Jesus would give them a miracle. Or maybe Jesus would do some sort of spectacular event that day. The Bible says in verse number 18, John chapter 12 and verse number 18. Look at it. John chapter number 12, or verse 17, I'm sorry. It's verse number 17, look at it. Therefore, the people who were with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead bore witness. You see, they were there at the Palm Sunday celebration. So I want you to see what's happening here. There is a great celebration, and lots of people were in Jerusalem. You see, the Jewish people had holidays. 
just like you and I, we have holidays where we get together with family and friends. Well, the Jewish people had holidays, and one of their holidays was called Passover. It was a family celebration of remembering what God did for them when he brought them out of the land of Egypt. You see, they were all in Jerusalem. They were getting ready for the Passover, and, and they heard that Jesus was coming into Jerusalem. So you can see all of these people. Some of them were there to celebrate the Passover, but some of them were there because they saw what Jesus did to Lazarus. They saw Jesus' miracles. They saw him healing the blind man. They saw him uh, multiply the loaf and the fish and feed 5,000 people. Not only were they there for a holiday, but they were there because they heard what Jesus had previously done. You see, they took up palm branches, and they begin to wave it, and they begin to cry these words, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. You see, a palm branch symbolizes victory. And any time a king in Roman providence would win the victory, people would always wave a palm branch because it was a symbol of victory. These people begin to cry, Hosanna, in the highest. That comes from Psalm 118. That is a prophetic utterance of the Jewish people longing that God would overthrow their enemies and set up a peaceful kingdom. So here is a group of people running out. They heard about Jesus. They saw Jesus' miracles. They heard about Lazarus. Some of them there was to celebrate the Passover. It was a holiday. And Jesus comes riding into town, and they come out waving a palm branch. I wonder why they were waving a palm branch to Jesus. Oh, just think about these people. They were probably thinking, boy, if Jesus could raise Lazarus from the dead after he's been dead for four days, Surely, Jesus can overthrow the Roman government and set up a kingdom where all of us can live in peace. Surely, if Jesus can feed 5,000 people with just a little bit of fish and bread and perform such a miracle, then maybe Jesus is this deliverer that we need so he can go up the street to the government and overthrow them and give our land back to us so we can live in peace. I don't know about you folks, but that's probably what I would think. If I saw Jesus raise up a dead man from the grave after four days, after he stinketh, and I was there to behold the miracle of him performing uh, a resurrection on a dead man, I immediately would think if I lived in oppression over the government, I would think surely Jesus would use his power to overthrow the government and we can set up a peaceful kingdom with him. No wonder Judas sold him for 30 pieces of silver. Because Judas thought, you need to hurry it up, bro. Get on with it. You're not you're not overthrowing the government, and I want to set with you in your kingdom. You're not doing what I think you should do. You're out preaching some sort of message and being kind to the sick. You should be overthrowing the government. It's no wonder Peter took out a sword and cut 
the servant's ear off. He's frustrated. Jesus, hurry up the business. Get on with it, Lord. Come on, set up your kingdom. Acts chapter number one, verse number eight. Jesus is being lifted up to heaven. And what did the disciples do? The disciples looked at the risen Lord and said, Lord, when will you set up your kingdom? And the Lord said, it's not for you to know. It's in the Father's hand. Go preach the gospel. Oh, if I was there in the crowd, I probably would think that. Jesus, you're being too passive. Jesus, don't you see they don't like you? If you have all this power that you say you have, that I saw, and saw you do these miracles, and saw you do these wonderful works, will you please use the power and deliver your people from Roman oppression? No wonder his disciples were confused. The Romans killed him. That'll throw you for a loop. It's no wonder they didn't show up to the crucifixion. I probably wouldn't show up either. They're upset. You mean to tell me you let a bunch of Romans kill you? You had every opportunity to overthrow the governments. You had a lot of power, Jesus. And all you did was preach some side of some stuff that we don't even understand. You're out healing the sick and raising the dead. You could have used that power and freed us, and we could have said with you in your kingdom, we could have had a glorious empire. Sounds like the devil, don't it? Where the devil appeared to Jesus in the wilderness and said, Throw yourself down off the pinnacle of the temple. The angels will catch you. Oh, look at all the empires of the world. If you just fall down and worship me, I will give them to you. You see, folks, right in this story, the disciples still didn't understand. They didn't understand the significance of what Jesus was trying to do. They didn't understand the importance of what Jesus was trying to accomplish. They missed it. In this Easter season, thousands of people will miss Easter. Thousands of people will think that Easter is just a day off or just to sleep in or baskets and chocolate to dress up and take your kids Easter egg hunting. They've missed Easter and all of its meaning. History repeats itself. Humanity is humanity. No matter where you go, we still have the same problem, don't we? We still don't see what he's doing. And that's why it's easy for us to get discouraged. Because Jesus is not doing what we want Jesus to do. Jesus is not doing what we think Jesus should be doing. See, things haven't changed, have they? They thought it then. We think it now. God, why are you not doing this? I thought you were supposed to do this. Lord, if you have all this power, if you bless them, sure, certainly you can do it for me. You see, it's the same thing over they missed it. They missed it. They missed it. You see, that's the background of this story. 
the background of this story, my friends, is full of tension. It's full of fear. It's full of struggle. The people of God was praying for deliverance. They wanted to be free from Roman oppression. The people of God was waiting for a Messiah, which is a deliverer, to deliver them from Rome and set up a kingdom. So you can understand why so many people were waving palm branches. Oh, I'm sure some people were genuine. Some people really loved him. Some people really wanted to honor him. Some were in the crowd. They were bored. Some were suspicious. There were some people in the crowd that day because the Bible says in verse number 12, look at it. John chapter 12, verse 12, the Bible says there was a great multitude, a great multitude. Many people were there. And I just want you, I want to ask you a question this morning. Who do you think was in the multitude? Who was in the crowd? What kind of voices was in the crowd? Like I said before, some people were just there to celebrate the Passover. Some was there because they heard about Lazarus. Some was there because they loved Jesus' teaching. Some were there because they were suspicious of him. Some was there waving their branch, hoping in their heart that Jesus would start a revolt against the Romans. Some was there because it was a nice parade, and that's what you do with your kids on a nice sunny day. You take them to a parade and wave their branches. Some was there in the multitude, not because it was a holiday, not because it was a Passover, not because they seen miracles, but some was there because they really loved him. Some was there because they just wanted to come by and tell the Lord thanks. I, I, can I just say this? I want you to imagine with me that great multitude. I, I, I just want you to use the Rolodex of your mind. And I want you to think about the possibilities of people being in the great crowd. Who was in the great crowd? As I use my Rolodex of my mind and go through the pages of Scripture, I thought, surely, surely, the woman with the issue of blood, the stories recorded in Matthew chapter 9, surely she was in the crowd. Wouldn't you think she would be in the crowd that day? She had heard that he was coming to Jerusalem. And the woman with the issue of blood that was healed she heard that Jesus was coming, and she was anxious to see him again. The last time she saw Jesus, she was crawling on the ground. The last time she saw Jesus, she was in pain and losing blood. But this time, this woman came to Palm Sunday. She didn't have to crawl this time. 
I can just imagine that now she is proudly standing in the crowd, waiting for a glimpse of his face. And as she stands there in the crowd, waiting to see his face, can you just imagine what is going through her emotions, what's going through her mind? Can you imagine the feelings that she had? The last time she saw him, she was sick. The last time she was, saw him, she was in debt. She had spent everything she had just to touch his garment. But this time, she came. Can I have a branch, please? This time, she came, and she came to bring a branch. She didn't have much to bring. She, she didn't have a lot of money to bring. But she knew that a branch represents victory. And she knew that in herself, she has victory over her sickness. And she came in the crowd that day, and she began to wave her branch. And she said to those who were around her, she said, one day of favor is worth a lifetime of labor. And I've just come to wave my branch to let the Lord know I'm thankful that I was sick and I was dying and I touched his garment, I touched the hem, and I was never the same again. I got to come by and let the Lord know I'm thankful. Ooh. Who was in the crowd that day? Oh, I, I can just see the woman with the issue of blood in the crowd. I, I'm sure, I, I, I'm almost positive. What about the what about the the man of Gadara? You know, the gospels tell us about this demon-possessed man. You remember the man that cut himself? As a matter of fact, the Bible says he was naked, living in the tombs. As a matter of fact, the scripture tells us that the people of the city treated him like an animal. They chained him up because he was out of his mind. He was possessed with a legion of demons. People were afraid of him. He was crazy, out of his mind, cutting himself, living in the tombs, naked. No family. Nobody reached out to him. They were afraid to reach out to him. His life seemed helpless. His life seemed hopeless. Until one day, Jesus came. He came by and delivered the man, this man. I just have to believe he showed up to Palm Sunday and he waved his branch and said, Jesus, I thank you. You got victory over the demons. I thank you. I just want to come by to praise you in my right mind. And Jesus, I got some clothes on. I've come by to let you know, Jesus, that I'm thankful for everything that you've done. I thank you that you are a mind regulator, a burden barrier, a deliverer. I thank you that you are a redeemer, and I've got to come by to wave my branch to let you know I'm thankful. What about, I just have to think, I'm surely the woman with the issue of blood was there. Surely, the man of Gadara was there. I just have to think that 
blind Barnabas. Surely he was there. You know the story in Mark 10. Blind Barnabas was blind for years. Year after year, he would sit on the street corner begging for money. This poor man didn't have a job. He didn't have much family to help him. You know what was sad about this story? Every time Jesus walked by, he couldn't see Jesus. He could just hear the crowd. And every time Jesus would pass by, they would tell the man to be quiet. Shh, be quiet. Jesus, just be quiet. But one day, Jesus stopped by because blind Bartimaeus said, I can't live like this any longer. If he can do it for others, surely he can do it for me. Blind Bartimaeus yelled out for help, and Jesus stopped and healed the man that was blind for years. I, I just can imagine blind Bartimaeus there. Blind Bartimaeus took his palm branch and said, listen, a couple years ago I was yelling for help, but now I'm going to yell some praise. I've come by to let the Lord know I'm thankful. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Not maybe, I, I just know Lazarus was there. I mean, the Scripture tells us he was there. Can you imagine Lazarus? Now, I'm sure at first Lazarus wasn't waving a palm branch at first. He was sick. As a matter of fact, scriptures indicate to us that Jesus was probably best friends with Lazarus. He ate at his house all the time. They were very close. His sisters was there. As a matter of fact, they were eating in John chapter 11 together. As a matter of fact, Jesus cried when Lazarus died. I'm sure Lazarus felt disappointed. Bro, I'm your bro. You should have healed me. Why did you wait four days? His sisters were frustrated. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But he died. Can you imagine? The angels of God the soul of Lazarus and took him down to Abraham's bosom. As he went down to Abraham's bosom and began to get comfortable, all of a sudden, as Lazarus is talking to the patriarchs and matriarchs of the ages, as he's fellowshipping in paradise, all of a sudden he hears a voice. And the voice calls Lazarus back to the grave. And immediately Lazarus opens up his eyes and he hears Jesus call him out of the grave. And they opened up the tomb and he comes forth bound hand and foot and they unbound him and he was set free. Lazarus was there. 
waving his palm branch, saying, Lord, you have so much power, you can call me back from the under earth and bring me back up to the planet earth and set my, oh, somebody's praise the Lord, and set my feet on a rock to stay. I've come to wave my branch to tell you, thank you, that you got victory over death, hell, and the grave. I don't know, folks. Maybe those people were in the crowd. It kind of reminds me of church, don't it? It kind of reminds me of the crowd. Some of you are here because it's Sunday. Some of you are here because you like the music. Some of you are here because you like the preaching. Some of you are here because you like the kids' ministry. Some of you are here because you were made to come. Some of you are here because you're looking for a wife or looking for a husband. Some of you are here because you feel guilty of what you did last night. Some of you are here because you just don't want to go to hell. You see, it's kind of like the crowd, isn't it, folks? Some of them were there because it was a holiday. Some of them are there because Lazarus was raised from the dead. Some of them are there because they wanted to see Jesus. Some of them were there because their heart was right. Some of them were there to thank the Lord. But not everybody. And some of us here this morning are just maybe like the woman with the issue of blood. Maybe you are like blind Barnabas. Maybe your heart is right. Maybe you're like the demon-possessed man of Gadara. Or maybe you're like Lazarus. Your heart's right this morning. You've just come to give him thanks because you know that you wouldn't be where you're at without him. Hallelujah. Is there anybody here that can wave your branch in victory and say, I was sick, but he healed me? Hallelujah. I was lost, and he found me. I was down, and he lifted me up. I was hungry, and he fed me. I was broken, and he mended me. I was dead, and he gave me life. I was broke, busted, and disgusted. I was oppressed, depressed, possessed, but it came to my rescue, and I just came on this Sunday morning to give him thanks. Is there anybody up in this church that just want to wave your branch and give him thanks because you know you wouldn't be here without him? Oh, hallelujah. Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. You know, hopefully you're part of the crowd that just wants to thank you. It amazes me. You know, I can see what you all do, you know, sometimes. And it amazes me that people just, you know, you know, act like they're bored in church, you know. Just. One time we're going to put a camera up here and we'll take a picture of the audience. If I didn't have Jesus, I'd get so discouraged. But I'm thinking I have Jesus and I don't preach for your approval. I don't preach for your approval. But 
So, Jesus rode in to Jerusalem on a donkey. Have you ever thought about this story? I'm going to close in just a moment. I'm going to give you some things as I read this story. Some things that you can learn from this story. I'm going to be really quick about it. All right. No, no. (laughs) I'm glad you're enthusiastic in the crowd. I want to just tell you a few things that I saw in this story that maybe you didn't see. And if you did see it, praise the Lord. If you're taking notes, just take it very quickly. The very first thing I saw in this story is that Jesus was marching to his own death, and he knew it. You see, Jesus was marching into the city. They were waving palm branches. They were being thankful. Some of them had a genuine heart. Praise the Lord. But with Jesus, he knew that he was marching to his death. He was going to Jerusalem. And why was he going to Jerusalem? To die on Calvary. The crowd celebrated him, but Jesus knew that he was marching to his death. I wonder what Jesus was thinking as he was going into Jerusalem, as they were waving their palm branches. Maybe he was looking at the crowd like a parent would look at a sick child and having compassion on us. He could discern the motives of the crowd. As he's on the donkey and they're waving branches, he is God in human flesh. He could discern the crowd. What was he thinking? Was he thinking, is there anybody going to be at the cross for me? Is there anybody going to walk with me to the cross? Are we all for celebrations? Is there anybody that knows how to suffer with me? Is there anybody that knows how to feel my pain? Is there anybody that knows how to feel my heart? He was marching to his death, and he knew it. You see, the people, some of the people in the crowd, saw Jesus' arrival into Jerusalem as a king, ready to set up his throne. But Jesus saw his arrival as a dead man walking, coming to be executed. There was two different perspectives. He was a dead man waiting to be executed. Let me ask you a question. Do you have the ability to continue to move forward even when you know what's before you is going to be rough? Do you have the ability to move forward even when you know what lies ahead is not going to be comfortable? Number two, Jesus was selected as the Passover lamb according to the Old Testament law. Listen, Jesus didn't abolish the law. He came to fulfill it. Listen to what Matthew Henry says. Matthew Henry points out, he says this in his commentary, and I quote, The Passover was on the 14th day of the month, and this triumphal entry was on the 10th. The 10th day of the month was significant concerning the Passover. Now read this. The Bible says in Exodus chapter 12 and verse number 3, 5 through 6, 
Listen to what the scripture says. Speak ye unto the children, to the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of the month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for the house. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male for the first year. Ye shall take it from the sheep and from the goats, and ye shall keep it into the fourteenth day of the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. So what is going on here? Matthew Henry points out that the Passover was on the 14th day of the month. But on the 10th day, they would select a lamb. The Passover was happening on the 10th day of the month. The Passover was going to happen on Thursday. Jesus was riding in on the 10th day. In other words, the Lamb of God was being selected by the people when they waved their branches and cried, Hosanna. They did not know, but they were selecting the Lamb of God who was going to be given as a sacrifice on the 14th day. He was selected as the Passover Lamb. Number three, Jesus didn't come to destroy his enemies. He came to die for them. See, their expectation was that Jesus was going to kill the enemy, kill the Romans. But isn't that what we do? They wanted to make Jesus into something that he was not. They wanted to make Jesus into somebody that he isn't. And that's what the modern day church has done. We have created a Jesus that does not exist in the Bible. A Jesus that doesn't offend people. A Jesus is okay about us doing whatever we want in our life. A Jesus that doesn't require us to be uncomfortable. A Jesus that's okay for you to live the life that's pleasing to you. We have reimagined a Jesus that does not exist in the scriptures. Folks, time hasn't changed anything. We, humanity is humanity. They did it then and we're still doing it now. They wanted a Jesus that didn't exist. They wanted a Jesus who was a warrior. They wanted a Jesus to climb on a horse and overthrow the Romans. But Jesus never fulfilled their expectations. And it is today that we want a Jesus that don't exist in the Bible. Jesus was not going to destroy his enemies. He was going to die for them. Kings were known to conquer cities and territories, but this king wanted to conquer the hearts of humanity. Number four, kings don't go to battle on a donkey. He came into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. Folks, listen, kings don't ride on a donkey. You can't go to battle on a donkey. You can't destroy the Roman Empire on a donkey. You can't fight from a throne riding a donkey. You can't destroy your enemies by riding a donkey. You can't claim your rightful throne by riding into the city on a donkey. You need to ride a war horse. You need to ride a big horse. Wear a crown. Lift your sword and declare that you've come to take over. But Jesus rides a donkey. The prophet said that he's lowly and humble. 
speaks peace to the nations as he rides on a donkey. Jesus came not afflicting war, not afflicting disease, not overthrowing kingdoms. He came in a lowly state because that's what Jesus has done all of his life. Jesus don't want position. He don't want titles. He doesn't want positions. He doesn't want possessions. He washed the feet of his disciples because he's a servant. He was beaten by the Romans. His flesh was ripped from his body. They beat him. They struck him on the head, tore his beard out. He never opened his mouth because Jesus don't need to defend himself. His kingdom is not of this world. His kingdom is from another world. They stripped him naked and hung him on a cross with criminals. And Jesus opened heaven up for a dying thief. Never demanded his rights. I'm so sick of everybody wanting rights. I don't care that you have rights, but you don't get extra rights. Everybody wants extra rights. When you sign up under the role real commitment, you lost your right, and your right now is to become righteous. Before you're a Republican and before you're a Democrat, you are a Christian. Number five, the crowd was right and wrong at the same time. How can you be right? Listen, I'm almost done. They were right because Jesus is king. They were right to praise him. They were right to cry Hosanna. They were right to say, Lord, save us. They were right to celebrate, but they were wrong and, and how he should accomplish it. Yes, he was king. And yes, he was going to save him. And yes, you should celebrate him. But it's not going to be how you think it should. He's not going to set up a kingdom here. He's not going to overthrow the Romans like you think you should. I still am king even though you disagree in how I accomplish my kingdom. Oh, the crowd was right, and the crowd was wrong at the same time. Number six, enthusiasm doesn't mean discernment, does it? I mean, the crowd was enthusiastic, was they not? There was a lot of excitement there. But the Bible says in verse 16, John 12, verse 16, look at it. John 12, verse 16. And the Bible says the disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, they remembered it. In other words, the disciples was a part of the celebration. They were enthusiastic, but they still lacked discernment. And folks, just because you're excited doesn't mean you have spiritual discernment. And we have equated people who hoop and holler like they got some sort of spiritual discernment. These disciples, even though they were in the celebration, they lacked discernment. Number seven, God does not intend to meet your expectation. Instead, he meets your needs. He didn't meet their expectations. He met their need. They needed a savior. And 
that's what God did. Ultimately, the triumphal entry, listen, is not about, this is the whole gist of what I want to say. The triumphal entry, please put it behind me. The triumphal entry is not about donkeys. It's not about palm branches at all. It is a reminder that placing expectations on God based upon our wants is a recipe for resentment. But nurturing, nurturing openness to divine mystery is the framework for our faith. That's the point of the story. It may be right timing, but it still is wrong. It was right. Lastly, it was right, but the timing was wrong. He's king, but the timing was wrong. In the same book, John chapter 6, John chapter 6, verse 15, you see, in the same book, they tried to make Jesus king, did they not? They tried to make him king by force, but he departed to the mountain by himself. You see, in chapter 6, they tried to make him king. Was he king? Yes. But the timing was not right. In chapter 11, they cried Hosanna to the king. You see, it may be right, but the timing was not right. The timing was wrong. They forced him. They wanted him to become king in John 6. Jesus said, it's not my time to become king. Don't praise me as king. But in John chapter 11, they waved branches, and he allowed them to celebrate him as king because it's the principle that it may be right, but the timing may be wrong. What have we learned today, folks? We have learned that Jesus marched to his own death we learn that Jesus was the Passover that was selected on the 10th day because on the 14th day he would be offered up. We learned that Jesus didn't destroy his enemies. He died for them. We learned that kings don't go to battle on a donkey. Jesus was lowly. We learned that the crowd was right and the crowd was wrong at the same time. We learn that enthusiasm doesn't translate to discernment. We learn that God doesn't meet our expectation. He fulfills our need. And lastly, we have learned that sometimes it could be right at the wrong time. And as we commemorate Palm Sunday, let us be reminded that it's not about the donkeys. It's not about the palm branches. It's a reminder that placing expectations on God based upon our wants is a recipe for resentment. That we trust the sovereignty of God in all things. That he works it out for his good. Amen.